0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to Athlete for Life. This podcast is about talking to people who have devoted their lives to sports, hearing about what they've learned, how sports have improved their lives and the lives of others around them. I'm your host, Joe Iovoli. I'm a two-time NCAA All-American, an ACC Rookie of the Year, a national champion, and a former professional athlete. Playing sports from a young age has shaped my life in so many positive ways, All I am today, I owe to athletics. That's why this podcast will highlight the important role sports play in the lives and development of young people. Athlete for Life is brought to you by Sports Recruits. If you're a parent or player, Sports Recruits puts you in control of the recruiting process. Student athletes can build a free profile, find the right schools, and connect with any college coach in the country. You can get started today for free at SportsRecruits.com. Today on the show, we have the head coach of UCLA softball, Kelly Inoue Perez. Coach Inoue Perez, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to get to talk. But let's get started, like I always do. How'd you get started playing softball?
1: You know, when I was when I was younger, I pretty much followed everything my older sister did. Um, we tried all kinds of things. Uh, you know, from Different sports to art to dance to music, um, I had the opportunity to try a little uh, a lot of different extracurricular activities that my parents really had us do. And um, you know, I followed my sister playing softball for the city, and it was you know softball that really kind of allowed me to you know feel really comfortable. You know, I was really shy growing up, wanted to really just stay home with my my family and my sisters. And um, you know, it wasn't until I found the sport of softball that you know, they'd drive to the park and I would jump out of the car and, and just really found a love for the sport.
2: Right. Um, and that
1: was when I was probably around nine years old um, that I started playing. Um, but, you know, I think I was I was fortunate because I've been surrounded by just some pretty special, phenomenal, you know, teammates and coaches that we were able to be very successful. In my first year playing, we, we won a championship. So, hmm. you know, it was something that I, I definitely fell in love with. And it was really a credit to my parents pushing me and and the people that I was surrounded with that allowed me to have great success and allowed me to really fall in love with the sport.
0: Right. So, what was it about softball that sort of made you come out of your shell a little bit?
1: You know, I think when I, uh, when I got out in the field, there, there was that, um, you know, the anticipation or anxiety of not really knowing how to play or what to do. And mm-hmm. there was a player on my team, um, it was the coach's daughter. Her name was Lisa. Mm-hmm. And she was just a stud. It was the way she carried herself. Um, you know, she threw the ball really well and and she ran fast and she and she swung her stick and it mm-hmm. it was that role model from a very young age that I you know, I said I really wanted to be like her right. and I told the coach. Mm-hmm. You know, I told her I told him that I wanted to play like her and she was actually a catcher. Hmm. And um so he said, Well, if you want to be a catcher then you have to put on the catcher's gear and, and I'm I'm gonna you know, put you behind the plate and you're going to have to catch the ball right. even when a batter swings a bat in front of you, which I really didn't fully understand.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And, uh, and I'll never forget it because I put the gear on because I wanted to be just like her and, and he did exactly what he said. He threw a pitch and had somebody swing a bat to miss and the ball hit me right in the face mask. And I, <laughs> I will never forget that because I thought, wow, she made it look so easy. Hmm. And I had no idea what I was doing. But, you know, then I got really curious and almost a little competitive to try to figure out how to look like her. So, um, you know, it was, I, I found myself challenged and, and I really was intrigued with wanting to get back to practice and be better at it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so it it seems like, you know, when you started playing softball, you almost, like, you immediately identified this sort of aspirational person and you were, um, you sort of learned the value of reaching for a goal or, or aspiring to be better than you actually are. Is that, is that right?
1: Oh, 100%. You know, yeah. I think and I think that part of it is is something that you know being able to have role models being able to emulate what you know what players do in in trying to do it in that manner is is to me a, a big part of it you know there's right. there's some people that just are naturally talented there's some people that are naturally talented and then there's those that don't um that may not have it right away and and I think you know that's that's, that's the, the challenge of sports is mm-hmm. it's not a something that you just you know very few are just born with this ability, so right. you have to have a competitive spirit about you. And, and you know, I think one of the best ways to figure out how to do it is is to have people you know that can that can lead by example, and then you strive to be like that. Right. Um, so I think role models are, are huge.
2: Right. Um,
1: but, you know, it, def- it definitely worked for me. I followed my sister because she was my sister. Mm-hmm. She wasn't necessarily the best softball player, but I followed her just because I wanted to do what she did. And then when I saw some people play at a different level. Yeah, my comp- I didn't realize how competitive I was, and I wanted to be like that, hundred percent.
0: Right, right, makes sense. Um, so, what other sports did you play while you were growing up, if any?
1: Yeah, you know, I I really credit my parents. I I literally played everything, right. you know, from, and a big part of that was my parents were always pushing me to be able to try everything. Um, follow through to the end. You know you're not allowed to quit even if you don't like it. Mm -hmm. So I did, you know, volleyball and soccer and even slide football and track. And um you know I I played I mean in junior high school I played, you know, five different what were they? Volleyball, softball, track, football, soccer. Um I was also in the band and and -hmm. played the flute and really got really competitive with that. Um we you know, dance did ballet and tap, and um, I swam. So pretty much everything. So my parents all really, over the place. you know, pushed me, yeah, to, to, to try everything. And you learn really quickly, you know. I did art classes and learn really quickly what you can be pretty good at and what you're definitely not. And I always right. encourage that <laughs> with with everyone to you know to try things. And then there's always that other aspect that I think my parents really taught me is you know I really didn't like certain things and and they they didn't allow me to quit. Hmm. You know I just. Finish through and and then realized right after, I don't want to do that again. They said, that's fine, you know, right. but you tried. And so I really credit my parents because I did
0: everything. Right, right. Yeah, so, so you talked earlier about developing that competitiveness, but how, how do you feel like playing sports, and especially multiple different sports, um, helped you in other areas of life?
1: Oh, I think everything. You know, there's so many things that you learn through sports, and like you said, striving for goals, mm-hmm. um, being... Being able to create a plan or a path of how you're going to create them, um, it really develops a work ethic. I think when you get to the higher levels from just you know the beginning phases of just putting work in and practicing, then you really start understanding how to be a part of a team and you know what is the the vision of the team, where are we tr- what are we trying to accomplish as a group, right. and being a team player and um, you know being able to understand team rules and how you follow rules and discipline and accountability. Um, but there's so many things about leadership, um, and I also use the word followership. Mm-hmm. Being able to understand how to get every organization to be successful, there has to be both leadership and followership, and um, it's endless of the opportunities. You know, just relationships, communication. I probably I think is probably the biggest thing that really helped me for a shy, um, a shy girl. When my coach said, "If you want to be a catcher," Then you're really going to have to communicate, you know, because it's called the quarterback of the field, and you have to know how to communicate, you know, the plays and, and where, where where plays will be made. And right. so communication with my teammates and my coaches, with the umpire, there were so many things that that allowed me um, through sports mm-hmm. to be able to, yeah. And and I think also, like you said, trying different sports allowed me um, to be humble in, in things that I really wasn't good at, right. you know, and, <laughs> and it yeah. it wasn't fun. But I tried to find a way to make to you know to help the team or try to make sure I showed the coach that I wasn't going to have a bad attitude about it or be frustrated or, right. but I would just finish it out and do it because this is what I committed to. Right. Um, so so many things, right. so many things that you learn from sports that allow you. Um. And then probably the most important that I didn't mention is you know hey it's fun, right. your ability to have <laughs> fun and create relationships and and be able to you know I have lifelong friendships from the sports that I played. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably the most important thing is, you know, everything that you do, especially when it comes to sports is, it should be fun, right. um, in your, your ability to do something.
0: Right. For sure. Um, so what was it about, um, what was it about softball that made you decide that this was the thing that you wanted to play at the next level?
1: Well, I, I, th- I really think it's the people that I was surrounded, you know, by, I, I mm-hmm. really enjoyed volleyball. And, and when I went from junior high and played everything, went to high school, um, I played basketball, volleyball, and, and softball, and then I realized I was going to be able to do all of them at the same time while I was playing travel softball. But it was uh, the players that I was surrounded by in softball. You know, Lisa and I, Lisa Fernandez and I started playing together when we were 10 and 11 years old, like right in the beginning. And she was, she was a higher-level softball pitcher, and they needed a catcher for her on, on team, so we played pickup ball. Um, so meaning we would get picked up to play for teams and compete in tournaments. And, um, right. I think, you know, I was fortunate that we were successful. You know, we, we, like I was, I was saying, I was surrounded by great people and we were able to win a championship and I wasn't the key player in it, but I got to be a part of that.
2: Right. And
1: then Lisa and I paired up as a pitcher catcher combo from a very early age. And, you know, didn't know Lisa would end up being the most decorated player in the history of, of our of our sport at this right. moment, you know, three-time gold, three-time gold medalist and two-time mm-hmm. Honda Broad award cup winner. And there's so many things that, that she has accomplished, but you know, from a very early age, we were surrounded by great players. And, you know, my coaches in softball were just outstanding, um, not mm-hmm. only recruiting players, but really teaching the game. And I really loved that level.
0: There's right. a physical
1: aspect, you know, throw it, hit it, kick it, run, which. A lot of coaches will just bring athleticism together, but my softball coaches um, really taught a higher level, a strategy of why we did things, and I was really intrigued by that. Right. You know, so I, yeah, so I think that part of it, you know, being a, a, in the catching position, which is like like I said, the quarterback, understanding the strategies and my responsibility, mm-hmm. really, God, it, it completely changed me from a shy girl into someone who really loved, you know, knowing and communicating and leading. Um, on the field um and then once again, when you're surrounded by great players and you enjoy success, then mm-hmm. um that became our passion of really striving for championships at a very young age
0: right do do you think that um i mean this might be an impossible question to answer, but do you think that without sports and you know the competitiveness that naturally came along with it do, do you think that that shyness would have been? Or you know that 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 ability to communicate so well would, would have been oh. pulled out of you with, without sports
1: oh oh, I mean, my family is absolutely amazed that I'm in the position that I'm in today because mm-hmm. I was so painfully shy right so I one hundred percent believe um well, I know that there's no way because I wouldn't even put myself in positions. My parents pretty much had to force me to do things, to just to do things because I was painfully shy. So right. I, I, you know, but as I said, those that knew me when I was younger are, you know, my aunts and cousins and obviously my parents and my sisters are completely just amazed that I, I have been able to become somebody who, who uh, can, can uh, communicate in, and speak in public and, and be in the position that I'm in because, <laughs> and yeah. it's completely because of sports without it, without it, you don't give yourself the opportunity to get out there. And, and, you know, have those opportunities or probably one of the biggest things is so many people I learned about myself mm-hmm. because in sports you fail and yeah. um, it's easy when it's easy, but in sports you fail. And it's, you know, my big thing now is, and even what I tell my Bruins today is it's not what happens, it's what you do next. Mm-hmm. And I learned about myself when I failed that, man, I wanted to do something about it. And, right. you know, my dad, my dad, I was fortunate, you know, was that that guy who pushed me and said, you know, then let's do something about it. And right. we practice. I'd right. want to go do more and I'd want to get back out there and try it again. And those were things that I didn't realize prior to sports is, you know, how you manage failure or what it was going to bring out in me mm-hmm. with a whole different competitive, um, you know, attitude about, God, I, I want to do it again. I want to do it again. And then success was um, obviously exciting, but it was the drive to want to to do better. Right. Right. Yeah I,
0: yeah. I feel like I, I mean, I was a shy kid as well when I was younger and, and you know, sort of the exact same thing that you're saying without sports, I wouldn't be able to communicate in the way that I can communicate today. But mm-hmm. I, I, I sort of feel like sports gives you this opportunity exactly like you said, to learn that, you know, when you do something that you don't want to do, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. And when you fail, it's never going to it's never as worse or as bad as you actually think it's going to be. And you learn that. Yeah over time by putting yourself in uncomfortable positions
1: a hundred percent yeah and I I, you know today that's a big part of of who we are you know as Bruins you know the greatest um you know they embrace failure they don't look at failure as a negative it's actually a a good thing we push we push our athletes you know we, we ask them to push the limits and and do things that are hard um, because that's the only way you're going to learn just how great you can be. Right. So there is no failure unless right. you fail to learn from it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I have come, you know, full circle from, I don't think I even even, I don't think I even feared failure when I was younger before right. sports, right. you know, I didn't have, didn't really have a concept of what it was mm-hmm. yet. I definitely got frustrated mm-hmm. through sports, but then it's the next step is, you know, doing something about it is, is and right. practicing and asking questions, um, you know, or being humbled because I can honestly say I had moments that I probably didn't have the best attitude after failure but I would always do something about it I'd practice and and be very driven to to try it again
0: right that's awesome um, so how did you end up at UCLA
1: um so through my travel team of uh, my you know club team we were we put ourselves um on a stage where we were, we were, we were national champions and where we're um, going through the recruiting process. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I, once again, I, I will continue to always credit my teammates and my coaches for putting me on the platform of, of a national stage to be recruited. Um, so I was recruited by, by several colleges around the country, Mm -hmm. um, in my junior year and, and, you know, short version, it's it's funny, you know, all my friends, all my teammates, we all got recruited by one school as, as a collective group, and then everyone got recruited by different people around the country, and
2: right. and we
1: were all recruited to the University of Hawaii, hmm. and they actually t- took us all on a recruiting trip out there, and I thought, oh, well, this is a no-brainer. All my <laughs> girls in Hawaii, all of yeah, us on right. scholarship are like, done deal, you know, as we're floating right. in the water in Hawaii, we're so here, and <laughs> and I came back, and I remember telling my, you know, my dad the whole time, my mom and dad, what, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do, it's your decision, you know, and I came back from Hawaii and said, oh, I really want to go to Hawaii. And mm-hmm. my dad stepped in and said, okay, you're not making a decision right now. No, mm-hmm. you're not, because my parents are actually from Hawaii. My mm-hmm. dad's from the big, I'm um, from Maui, and my mom's from the big island. And and they actually did everything they could to get off the island to be mm-hmm. able to create more opportunity. And my dad worked in, in downtown Los Angeles and, and got off the island. And so once again, you know, to have opportunities. So here right. I was coming full circle and I was going to go back, Not, nothing against Hawaii, but it was just the opportunities. He wanted me to really take all my, you know, my visits to all these schools. So right. I came back and said, you know, Hawaii for sure. Cause if I went, then everybody went mm-hmm. and uh, they were heavily recruiting me for my family and this and that. And, um, but I was the only one that was recruited by UCLA, which mm-hmm. was which was good and bad. Great because UCLA was the top team in the country and they were the national champions. Bad right. because none of my friends were recruited by Hawaii um, at that time, and it's not that they were weren't capable. Recruiting is a little bit of timing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took my my visit to to UCLA and and got, really fell in love with with that opportunity as well. I made a really difficult decision to separate from my friends on yeah. um, doing what would have been at that time just such a blast to be with my besties right. and. And continue to be successful because we had a very talented group. But um, I, I took a step back and, and did something that I was going to be potentially best for me. And you know, the rest is history. And and yeah. the good news is, all my my friends at the time that we were going through the process. Because when I committed to UCLA, everybody went different places. Everyone kind of scattered different different mm-hmm. colleges around the country. And the good news is, all those girls are still my closest bestest friends. We were all at each other's weddings and raised our children and we're actually all, several of us are still in the profession as coaches. So, you know, in those moments when you feel like if you don't do these things, you may lose your friends. Well, you find out who your true friends are when you make decisions that are best for you. And those girls have stuck by my side and have been with me, um, you know, my entire life. And then, you know, Lisa, Lisa Fernandez is a year younger than I am. And she actually, her and my other pitcher, Didi, our little team, they actually, Came over and joined me at UCLA, so I still had some of my teammates and some of my girls come over and follow me, and we were able to have a, a wonderful career at UCLA as well.
0: That's awesome. How were you able at that, you know, at that age, to be able sort of to to focus on what would be best for you? Because I, I feel like it is really hard for you know kids that are in high school to sort of not think about, um you know, if I go to this school, I'll be with all my friends that I'm comfortable with. How, yeah. how did you sort of get over that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I really believe it, that that really came down to the, the guidance of my parents. I, I'm very, very fortunate because I would have 100% made a decision based on a social decision, right. especially coming off of that trip, to be able to go. If, if you want to not talk about fun, I had the most fun, you know, at UEd in Hawaii with my friends on a trip in Hawaii. In fact, I, very, I remember very little about the campus and just remember my trip to Hawaii with my friends. So, you know, I think that's something that is a really big thing in recruiting. There are, there are, there are fun trips. there are great opportunities and memories that you create on these trips, and you know a bonus if you're if you go with friends, but you know i I have a little saying that the biggest decision that you make in you know, the two biggest decisions you make in your life are where you go to school and who you marry because mm-hmm. those are the people that you surround yourself with for the rest of your life and you know we're we're not in a generation where we arrange marriages anymore
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know so and it's a very important decision and it should be it should be yours based on what's best for you and Right. And separate from a good time or what other people think or or even, you know, what the what the actual story is in the moment, you know, a scholarship wise, there may be different levels of scholarship. And I say, you know, all of those things shouldn't even come into play because this is something that is going to affect the rest of your life.
2: Right. And it's
1: not based on one social weekend. It's not based on just the moment or what people say in the recruiting process. It really comes down to what's best for you. Where you see yourself down the road and how this college is going to help you springboard into what you want to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, softball is something that we love and we're passionate about, but it goes by quickly. Mm-hmm. In your ability, and unfortunately, we're in a time where the pro league isn't something that will sustain um, a lifestyle mm-hmm. for you know for you to be able to live and retire off of. Right. Um, you know, we don't have those opportunities in our sport, so you know, getting the degree and, and finding a way to be able to continue to lead or what we call continue to get recruited beyond the white lines
2: mm-hmm. is
1: something that um, is an important piece to this recruiting process. So, you know, having some guidance from my parents, I think it was critical because in that moment, I would have completely made a social decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and and with that, you know, my friends are, are great friends and we could have had great softball, you know, but I think in the bigger picture, I, I thought about, you know, vice after, which I didn't, I don't put that in perspective when you're in high school, you know, at times this generation does more than we did. Hmm. Um, But I I think uh, that's an important piece of looking beyond also, you know, the areas that you want to network. And that was something that I had no concept of, of is, you know, my dad asked a silly question. He said, well, is Hawaii where you want to live afterwards as far as networking? And I looked at him and I was like, yeah, I could. You know, and yeah, right. and he's like, no, you're you're not getting it, you know, right. and but he he really, you know, because I'm like, that's a silly question. Would I want to yeah. live in Hawaii? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. So, but but bigger picture, it was my parents um, that really tried to help me understand the value of the degree mm-hmm. and what the degree would mean and the academic challenges of how you compete against people academically, also mm-hmm. to be able to allow you to be hired into, you know, and it, it once again, he, you know, he, they taught me who you surround yourself with and how, how that's gonna really allow you to be the best version of yourself. Right. Um, and, and, and like I said, socially, my friends were my, my friends, but it was academically that I really thought UCLA was gonna challenge me and help me with that degree beyond um, to have value. And mm-hmm. when I was younger, I, I had no idea what that meant. Like, what is, what is a UCLA, yeah. what's the difference between a Hawaii degree and a UCLA degree right. and no disrespect to any school but I, I learned the value of getting both academics and athletics mm-hmm. in a location that I really, really did want to live. I did not want to live – I'm a Southern California girl. Mm-hmm. So I did want to be in an area where I wanted to network in, my, in that. So when I pulled away from that and I made the decision, it was a heartbreaking decision. You know, Everybody understood why I made the decision. Um, but I think it was a difficult one had I not had guidance in that moment.
0: Right. Yeah, so, so along those same lines, how do you recommend parents – help their kids make that decision, right? Cause it sounds like, you know, your parents were so instrumental in that decision and and sort of like you alluded to, um, they just have a different perspective on the, on, you know, sort of the long game, the long view after you get out of college, right? So, so how do you recommend that parents help players think through that decision of what's the right school for them?
1: Yeah. You know, I think that's a very important one. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a very difficult time because there's, so much invested um financially and and literally as far as travel ball is concerned and you know you, you pay fees to be a part of a team You this, this generation pays for lessons everyone has a hitting coach and a fielding coach and a pitching coach and then travel is real you know you, you travel from coast to coast and tournaments from florida to huntington beach to colorado um, they're traveling all over the country to be able to to play ball so there's by by nature there's With this investment that you're making in Travel Ball, you're looking for the return of getting a full scholarship to pay for or get a discount on your education. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's you know, that's true. That is that is part of the process. Yet, you know, I find so many uh, parents get lost in in following the scholarship, like whatever school offers the scholarship, then they really try to guide that, you know, their child to go there. Well, they Mm -hmm. they want you more. They, you know, they're investing more. So you got to go there. And I really, really always, you know, I'm in this business and, and, you know, I'm not always recruiting everyone just to UCLA, but my advice is always to really find out what the best fit is for your kid, academically, athletically, in a location that is going to allow them to thrive. Um, You know, following full scholarship is not always the best thing for your, your, your kid, you know, and, and there you see a high transfer rate. Of kids that follow the scholarship and then find themselves in these locations, or academically, or athletically, um, or you know, you know, geographically in places that they don't really find themselves being either challenged or are happy. Um, and that that so so it's you know, as a parent, I think our our job is to push our kids and support our kids, um, but, but also to, to put them in a position where they get to make a decision because it is their their life. They're going to live those four those four years, they have to fully invest in those four years and enjoy those four years. Mm -hmm. Um, And every parent wants their kid to be happy, you know, and the pressure that's put on to get the scholarship, I think is real because the parents are investing a lot of money.
2: Right. So
1: I understand that. But I, I think if you step away, I tell the athlete that separate from what your parents or anybody's telling you, this mm. this college responsibility is not your parents responsibility they have to pay for your college.
2: Right.
1: You know the goal is to be able to find a place that you fall in love with and if you have to take on student loans which is not ideal no one wants to start life in debt but the mm. idea is to be able to go to go to college, get a degree, have a college experience, play some softball and have an opportunity to play on the stage but then go into the working world to be able to make money and be successful mm. and you want to be able to find a place that's going to allow you to follow your passion beyond the white line.
2: Right. So
1: who's going to help you do what you're passionate about? Mm -hmm. And if you don't really know what you want to do, then you better find a degree that is going to be reputable, that that it it says you challenged yourself academically. And therefore we're going to continue to recruit you because you bring value with the degree that you have. Mm -hmm. So those are things that are hard to put in perspective when you're chasing the scholarship dream, which I'm saying with it, it's very, 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 um, important, you know, that I, I understand that, you know, there's mm-hmm. about 250 something, uh, a little more than that division one, you know, schools, everybody has 12 scholarships. Um, and there's, you know, there's, so there's right there that the number is, there's not a lot of scholarships compared to the number of kids that are playing softball. Right. Um, and, and, and it, so it becomes a math problem that not everyone's going to get a full scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um you know, playing softball, but there's so many different opportunities to play. You can play Division One, you can play Division Two, II, Division Three. Mm-hmm. you can play JC ball. There's, there's so many different opportunities to play that will eventually allow you to be able to either, you know, if, if you're at the JC level, you can transfer into a four-year, and it's more cost-effective for you to be able to get those GEs out of the way and transfer into a four-year. Right. You can play at the divisions, you know, at different levels, and there's academic scholarships as well as athletic scholarships. Um, that allow people to get support, but ultimately, the student athlete can really follow their dreams without feeling like their parents, if they feel badly about burdening their parents and they take on the burden, as far as finding a school that they're really passionate about, Mm -hmm. going through the experience and then getting a job and paying paying that back, which is truly the way the majority of the world works. Mm -hmm. In athletics, there's an expectation that we should just get the full scholarship and it should be free. Um, or there should be a really big discount because of the investment. And, you know, at times that could be a good path, but right. it may not always be the best path for your, once again, the two biggest decisions that you make, where you go to right. school and, and who you marry. Who you marry. So right. I think, you know, it's a personal thing. I can't sit here and speak for everyone's situation mm-hmm. because some people really have to just take advantage of opportunities, which I get.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: um, in the bigger picture of life, I would hope that everyone follows their passion, and find, finds the place that is really going to allow them to accomplish all their dreams Right. Um, you know, and that takes time. It's not always just about scholarship, it's your ability to take the time, take trips, and get the encouragement from those people that you respect and what's best for you, separate from the easiest path.
0: We'll be right back. This is Matt Wheeler, co-founder of Sports Recruits. We started Sports Recruits because as former student athletes, we understood how sports can change someone's life. The mission of Sports Recruits is to empower student athletes
1: to pursue their dreams. We do this by giving student athletes the tools to find the right schools for them. With every college coach in the country on Sports Recruits, you are always a click away from being recruited. To get started, sign up right now at SportsRecruits.com
0: for free. So tell us about UCLA softball. What are the values and principles of the program?
1: well the the philosophy of our program is very simple. you know in order to be successful, we have to keep our priorities straight, and uh, mm-hmm. there's three simple parts of our pri- the priorities and family family and faith comes first with mm-hmm. the people once again that you surround yourself with. Um, school comes second, you know you've got to be able to uh, understand the value of what the degree means and, and without school, you're not eligible to do what you love to do, and that's softball and softball comes third, so you know people think that we're a championship machine program and that we're the winningest program in division one softball, but to be successful, we have to have great people, great teammates, um, you know, that, that understand what it means to be a Bruin. Um, mm-hmm. School is something that we value. So I, am fortunate. I get to recruit what I believe is the top 1% in the game that have mm-hmm. an athletic skill based on, uh, and also an academic discipline. Mm-hmm. And then when you, when you keep those two in check, then softball is just what we love to do. Right. You know? And so people say, people say, you know, UCLA softball has strong culture because you win. And when you win, of course, it, everyone's happy. And right. I can say it's just the, oppo- it's just the opposite. Uh, we win because we have strong culture. And and as a result of the people that really understand the bigger picture, that we represent something that's bigger than us, the four letters is not just me or, or UCLA softball, but it's all UCLA athletics and all of UCLA. There's a lot of alumni around the world. And it's a reputable brand, that when people understand it's not about them, it's something bigger, then right. they really take
0: pride in the process. So so how do you make sure that your players um or are, are keeping those priorities straight? You know, you mentioned those those three priorities family, faith, yep. school, and softball. How, how are you making sure that each player is, you know, yeah. following those priorities?
1: Well, yeah, se- several ways. You know, mm-hmm. we we obviously have to learn um, you know, through experience, meaning you know, everybody wants to be able to, to do everything they can to to earn their positions on the field and be a part of the program when you come in as a freshman. And, and we make it really clear with, with how you communicate. So, for example, you know, we just had um, a player yesterday who had uh, – we had practice, and we had a player that they had a, a tragedy in the family
2: hmm.
1: and had to go home. And everybody was at practice, and, and the player communicated with me that that, you know, she was in this terrible place and she had a terrible tragedy tragedy and she had to leave. And so all the team checked in with her and we, and she called with anxiety about, you know, practice and, mm-hmm. and we had to teach her, you know, it's it's a no brainer when it comes to a family issue, then family comes first, even when we had practice or she had to communicate with her academics, right. uh, because she had, she had to go it Was an emergency. Mm-hmm. She's not judged. She's not punished. She's not disciplined, but we learn, um, you know, we learned that family, family does come first when it comes to a, a you know, when you come to that situation where you have to make a decision, that's when family comes first. We're mm. not saying you can get practice for a family vacation, right. but we're saying when it comes to those critical moments and you've got to be able to keep your priorities straight. And what's the priority? Is it softball right now? No. Mm. Is it even school? No, you've got to go because it's a family. It's a family situation. So we teach them that on, on the, on the other level, there's times where girls aren't, aren't doing well academically and I will remove them from practice. And I'll remove them from games. I'll remove right. them from a travel weekend if they're not taken care of to make sure that they can be really clear that if you're not focusing on your academics, then you don't get to play softball.
2: Right. So we
1: we teach them, you know, of how to do this through five examples and everyone learns from each other on um, what we you know, what's appropriate, the decisions to make. And if mm-hmm. you and the most important thing is how to prioritize your time.
2: Right. So
1: if you're if, you know, because that's what happens. We all just want to be great at softball. We all just want to win. And therefore, when you have those opportunities to make a decision on a social or academic decision, you know, sometimes it's social, you know, you know, takes a precedent over your other responsibilities and your softball is taken away. Um, so, so it's, it's, it's teaching, it's mm-hmm. teaching and, and, and through the, through, you know, the discipline of understanding how to keep your priorities straight, mm-hmm. um, everybody learns what, what the program is all about.
0: Right. So, so at the end of four years at UCLA, what, what, what do you want your players to have learned the most?
1: Yeah. Well, that's a great question. And, you know, I break it down, um, in exactly that first and foremost, our mission statement of the program, you know, our our philosophy is is one thing, but our mission statement is, you know, to build, we're building strong, powerful females that are going to succeed beyond the white lines, you Mm -hmm. know, due to the experiences both on and off the field, um, as Bruins. So, you know, It's more than just softball at UCLA. We want them to be powerful leaders. And, you know, leadership is not always just being the most vocal, but it's being able to lead by example. It's being able to follow rules and being able to have time management. But to be that powerful female, you have to learn how to become the best version of yourself through the process. Mm -hmm. And then there's a couple things that we like to talk about, um, you know, when we talk about the process. Um, One of them is, and to break it down in real simple form, everyone has four years. So you well those that are that come in and have a four year opportunity and they're, so therefore they're freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. So we I, we uh, really reinforce what you're supposed to be learning during your four years at UCLA. And as a freshman, we ask you to just come in and learn. You know, there's so many things that you don't know about this new program that we just want you to learn. Um, and in sophomore year, we want them to really understand what followership is. And followership to us is, you know, there's. There's times where you may agree or disagree, but your ability to have great followership, ask questions, um, you know, is is a very important part. You know, Mm -hmm. it's um, it's a very important part of a team to be able to, what we call, buy in and to Mm -hmm. follow. Um, You know, we never want to have complete blind faith, but your ability to have followership, um, because in your junior year, we're asking for leadership. And leadership is at time making decisions and communicating and making sure you're on the same page with what's happening in practice. It is their responsibility to lead, to make decisions, to pull the team together for events, which is unusual because most people have that be the, their seniors. Right. Um, but for us, I, I do just the opposite. I actually, in their senior year, I want them to really um, influence. Right. And influencing is, you know, the hard part is leadership, mm-hmm. but their ability to help the juniors so if, if the juniors have to make a decision about something and people aren't aren't agreeing with them or not listening then the seniors come in and they help through influence be able to explain why we should do it and mm-hmm. you know they're they're just trying to speak on behalf of what's best for the team and you know hey let's just try it or if something's not working okay let me talk to them and make sure that the message is really clear but i want our seniors to understand how to influence positively sometimes i need to kick a little booty and get some of the younger <laughs> kids to understand and right. sometimes I need to get in there and, and make sure that the juniors are leading with a voice that is easy to follow, mm-hmm. but I want the seniors to enjoy their senior year. And it's not their responsibility because, you know, that's that's a difficult time. It's their last year and you're supposed to be a leader and everyone's supposed to follow. So you get this, this you know, unfortunate pressure in your right. last year to have everything come together and it doesn't make it a very enjoyable year. Um, so once again, as freshmen, we want them to learn. As sophomores, we really ask them to understand how to follow because guess what you're leading the next year and Mm -hmm. one of the most difficult parts of leadership is getting people to follow Mm -hmm. and then in your senior year we want them to be we want them to uh to influence everyone down and and enjoy the ride Mm -hmm. um so that's that's one concept is freshmen through senior and then uh, probably our biggest one is we really use the analogy of what we call being a diamond in the Mm rough and understanding how diamonds are made and so there, I call all of them diamonds in the rough, and that they've already stood out to be recruited, to right. be a part of UCLA. You you already have ta- talent. You've already stood out. You've already proved academically you can get into UCLA for us. And uh, but diamonds are made. Um, you know they start from this diamond in the rough, this piece of you know black coal, and mm-hmm. down deep in the earth with extreme heat and pressure is how diamonds are made. Um, they become something that is of greater value and the most valuable stone and the most, you know, most, uh, resilient stone in the world. That's not synthetic. Right. Um, and the value of the diamond is obviously off of the cut, but it's the, the actual diamond of what's created from something that is very simple, but through the extreme heat and pressure, same mm-hmm. thing. So our analogy is there diamonds in the rough through their experiences, both on and off the field, what you become as you continue to be recruited in life is, you know, one of the most valuable gems, um, obviously in the world. So that analogy we use a lot. Expect it to be hard. Expect there to be pressure. Expect there to be high heat. We are going to be pushing you constantly and your teammates and everybody around you is going to be pushing you with high expectations. But what you become Mm -hmm. is something that is greater than what you were when you came in. And so we we paint that picture. So um, everyone wants to be successful. Everyone wants to be a winner, but -hmm. it's not an easy path to become that. And we explain that in the very beginning on what the ex- expectations are from the start and what you become in the in the end, which allows them to kind of pull back at times and understand the bigger picture when it gets really hard in those moments
0: right yeah it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier is like you know within sports you learn to put yourself in uncomfortable positions so that you can grow yep. and become the better version of yourself absolutely <laughs> right um so just a few questions for for any young players that that are listening um you know what would you say? As a coach, you know what's the most difficult thing, or the most difficult lesson to teach a young player that's just starting out in the game. What's the hardest thing for them to learn?
1: Well, I think I think that the hardest thing in sports is failure. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like
1: you, if you practice and you do everything that you're asked to do, then you almost expect a return. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 the most important thing that I always say is, you know, I, I said it earlier is, you know, in failure that the defining moment is not the failure. You know, you could be up with bases loaded um, and, and everybody's thinking it. you know, as she hits the home run, that's four runs. And, you know, we do this crazy math, pro- math problem in our head. Everyone looks at the scoreboard to see how much four runs would add up to. It's just our, it's in human nature. Bases loaded, grand slam. Mm-hmm. And, and when you strike out in that moment, that's not your defining moment. It feels horrible. And, and you really wanted the outcome and you try for that outcome. But it's your, the defining moment is understanding our game. Our game is a very difficult game. It's a game of a lot of failure. in your ability to understand that I have a saying that it comes back around. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really pay attention to our sport, if you really pay attention, there's things that just happen um, repetitively. You know, when you see someone make an error on defense, um, they, they strangely, uh, uh, weirdly, will you find them coming up to bat almost the next inning um, very often where they almost get an opportunity immediately. Or if you see someone strike out with bases loaded, in the early parts of the game and everyone's like, Oh, bummer. You know, it's interesting how the game comes back around and that player gets another opportunity, you know, in the, in the big moment, you know, if you see Mm -hmm. a, you know, a pitcher strike out a big hitter and everyone celebrates that you see how the game comes back around and she usually has to face that hitter again for the end of the game. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many things that happen, you know, I call it karma, but if you really pay attention, these things are really happening and your ability to understand that, Right. Your defining moment is not in the failure, but it's mm-hmm. going to come back around. And how you respond to that right. will give you the opportunity to be prepared for the next the next one that's coming right down the road. Um, right. So, you know, we, we really talk about, about understanding our game and trusting the process, which is really mm-hmm. hard, um, that at times feels like a blind faith because you don't get the outcome. And yeah. then I'll say that, you know, if you're looking for just you know, quick outcome and you can play a different sport where you just run back and forth, back and forth, back and, You know, people can right. miss a shot in basketball mm. and then everyone just keeps running. They don't all stop and go, oh my God, I cannot believe you missed that shot. And
2: right. now let's
1: walk, watch you walk back to the bench and, 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 and all cameras on you on how you're handling the fact that you just threw up an air ball. Like, let's just watch how they're managing it. And I mean, people just keep running. Right. And then the next right. shot is made. And the next shot is made. Same thing with soccer. You know, you can, mm. you can kick, um, or you can even, Go kick a ball and miss it, and it's not like the whole game stops and watches how you manage that. You know, you better right. <laughs> hustle after and get after the next one. So right. we're a different sport where not only do you get put on a on a on a you know an individual stage in moments, mm-hmm. but you also are watched how you manage the failure more critically than any other sport on right. how they walk back and how they mm-hmm. go to the, they, the cameras follow you to the dugout in this day and age. How, and are they still managing it? What do they do? Right. Oh, they shove that helmet kind of hard. Look at them; right. they're struggling or they Mm -hmm. really hone in and really zoom in on pitchers and look at, look at that. You know, they're frustrated They're Mm -hmm. And then people are judging constantly on how you're managing our sport. So, you know, for those young kids, you've got to love the process. you got to, you got your, you know, I always say things like you're one pitch away from streaking. You know, you can, the best part about our sport is you can swing and miss. And then the next one, you can completely hit and just drive the next pitch. And just like that, in one moment, swing and miss kind of embarrassing to -hmm. stroking a double. And you're like, Whoa, that was, Really, really interesting. In right. our sport, it's not a time sport. You have the ability to be down by nine runs and give me one pitch, mm-hmm. and you can rally up and you can score ten. It's kind of right. a crazy thing. So we have a we have things like you know, Bruin Magic is is what we call is is, is a mindset that anything mm-hmm. is possible. Just give us one pitch,
2: right? And those right. Are,
1: those are things that you really have to start teaching and embracing, and those things become reality. And once you experience a little bit of, of Bruin Magic. Then you actually believe that it's possible and and you know momentum is a is a interesting concept you mm-hmm. know it's it's a difficult thing to describe on how you create momentum and why there's mm-hmm. low but we definitely it, it all starts from a belief and right. if you believe you can do things then and you get your teammates to believe it becomes very contagious
2: mm-hmm. and those
1: are things that as a young player i love watching and recruiting athletes that you can tell they have that belief the way they play they play all out they believe Mm -hmm. that they're going to be the one they believe that somebody else you can hear it in their in their their communication that in their encouragement to their teammates man they believe that this person is going to get it done and those things are are very powerful and those are things that we learn through sports Mm -hmm. that allow you to be successful in life that anything is possible especially after failure
2: right if you
1: can't wait for what's next then mm-hmm. sports is going to knock the life out of you. Right. But, right. uh, it, yeah. So it's yeah. fun. It's, it's a passion definitely, yeah. but you have to believe it. Um, and you have to be surrounded by people that believe it or it's very rally killing. <laughs>
0: it's very right, difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's the players that understand, you know, even if they make a mistake, they have something have you know, the next play is, is coming right up. Right. And you almost need to sort of forget that failure in order to have success with the next play. Oh. But yeah. yeah. Um,
1: You know, everybody says says things like you can fail, you know, Mm -hmm. you can fail seven times out of ten and you're pretty good. You have to remember that that means you could fail seven times in a row and -hmm. that feels horrible. But then you can go three for three and that feels like you're on top of the world. So it's a really... strange, strange sport, but you have to understand what it's about. And then, then, then it doesn't knock the life out of you. It just makes you want to work harder.
0: Right. For sure. For sure. Um, so I I am keeping my eye on the clock, just a few more questions. Um, but you know, when you think about, you know, all the players that you played with and all the players that you've coached, what do you think is the one common attribute, um, in the best players that you've coached or played with?
1: You know, I think it's a very simple one. Those that have been the best I've been, Fortunate to be surrounded by some of the best in the game, and and mm-hmm. the, what separates them is, you know, there's there's two things that Coach Wooden talks about in this in his pyramid of success, and it's the mm-hmm. cornerstones of his pyramid, and that's it's effort and attitude. So mm-hmm. those that really give a hundred percent, I mean, they're really putting in a lot of extra work, but they also possess a positive attitude on how they go about it. Um, right. Clearly, allow them to be the best, and those are the two things that you have completely in your control. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't guarantee anything. But it, uh, what I've seen is, and there's, you know, several of those that have a great work ethic, have a positive attitude and have thrived in our sport. And, you know, mm-hmm. not just in college, but in, in USA and in the pro league and have been rewarded and decorated because their work ethic and attitude have really allowed, have carried them through. And there's, right. there's a relentless pursuit mm-hmm. for those.
0: Right. Yeah. The, you, you said something also that I hear come up quite frequently on this podcast is, um, you know, you need to worry about the things that you can control, right. And, and it's, 100%. it's so, it's such an important thing to learn at a young age is to focus on the things that you can control. Don't worry about the things that you can. not
1: Yep. Yep. I think, you know, we do that. There's a lot of mental training, um, and different language in that. And we spend a lot of time on that, you know, RC in 2019 was to, was to block out noise. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we were fortunate to, to just have a great smooth season. We were ranked right number one pretty much the entire season and then right. and then dropped a couple games uh late into the pack and um you know, for whatever reasons we lost our focus and um and then I said, you know, this is this is what's gonna happen. People are gonna start talking about, you know, we are the number one team and oh here they go. Now that mm-hmm. towards the end they're they're starting to lose and, and they're not the best team and all those things that other people say and talk about and I said, You have a choice. Mm-hmm. We do either realize that our best is yet to come through a long Mm -hmm. season. We've proven what we're capable of against higher level opponents. But the most important thing is if you really truly believe that the best is yet to come versus whatever all the noise is saying, Mm -hmm. then you're going to play your best ball. But you have to make a choice because it takes just one of you to get caught up in the noise that is going to be contagious to everyone else. So noise within your control is us. The best is yet to come. What's out Mm -hmm. of our control is all the expectations. And it's a very difficult time because social media is powerful. Parents are very involved. Fans, um, you know, you you create, be careful what you wish for because, you know, in a high profile program, there's people that have a lot of opinions about it. But we as we as Bruins, have a choice to make on what's in our control. And Mm -hmm. I, if you ask any of my girls, you know, how did you do it? They'll, they'll, all of them will say it's it's blocking out, blocking out the noise was Mm -hmm. a big part. and the noise is not just from the outside. The right. noise is from the inside of the self-doubt of For what sure. could happen. And and that's a, that's a powerful thing. So hundred percent, we spend mm-hmm. time on, on blocking out the noise in all different levels, the umpires, you know, the fans, the media, you know, your own teammates, you know, uh, the opponent. There's so many things that are just out of your control. So I really teach the girls. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just the belief, but it's also how you represent. So I go to a deeper right. level of, of how you play the game, of mm-hmm. how you look. So it's their body language. You know, mm-hmm. we don't show frustration. You know, our facial expressions. You know, we we don't we don't drop our heads or any of that. We actually look eye contact right back at the picture. Right. You know, and then our tones our tones with each other. I'm very very aware of, you know, of how they communicate. When somebody sounds panicked or someone sounds frustrated, it it bleeds into other people. So we talk a lot about body language, facial expression, and tone with each other which is a big part. And I think right. that is, um, part of, once again, these are things that are in your control.
0: Right. Makes sense. Um, so just a few more questions, um, you know, for any young players that, um, you know, aren't interested in being recruited at the college level. So for you, what, um, you know, what attributes are you looking for, um, in a player when, you know, when you're out recruiting or, or, or watching a game?
1: Yeah, for, for me specifically, you know, it starts with, uh, obviously, there's a lot of talent. There's a ton of talent from coast to coast. Um, academically, is, is one, of the, one of the first areas that, you know, can, um, can be game-changing for us. So, obviously, academically, we're looking for someone who has a discipline. And, you know, your GPA and your academics isn't always a marker of intelligence. It really comes down to the discipline of mm-hmm. how you prioritize school. So, school is a big thing for us because uh, we can't just go after great talent. Um, and then the second, the next thing is, um, a big part of athleticism is versatility. Players mm-hmm. that are able to play more than one position, you know, there's there's definitely what you want. I just want to be the shortstop. And there's players that show a versatility, meaning they can play other positions and bring value to a team. And, you know, that's something that I think is, at, at times, a little lost. Mm-hmm. And um, we actually look for those players that, that have the versatility to play several positions because things happen within a season and there's times where you need versatility. The biggest thing is it's very difficult to teach um, effort and attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that is, you, I can mandate it and discipline if they don't have it, but that's, that's not really, really motivating somebody if, you know, if they, if they get frustrated or they don't have a work ethic. So those are things that we can see on the field. You know, mm-hmm. it's just their attention to detail of how they're going about playing catch and taking ground balls, you know, right. how they warm up, and then once, most importantly, how they manage failure. You know, of course, it seems like a no-brainer. If someone goes three for three, you know, it seems like a no-brainer that that kid's got to be it. But we all know the sport that on any day someone can go three for three and someone can go over three, and that doesn't truly define who that player is. Um, So I like to see how they manage failure, and I like I follow after a big failure what they do next. So you know, those are those are things that I'm teaching, and those are things that I like to see players already have is that resiliency. It's just how they can't wait for that next opportunity because there's a patience. I mean, it's a, it's a torturous patience of waiting for another at bat, right,
2: and for and, sure. you know,
1: there's, there's that. And then also I watch how players separate the offensive game from the defensive game, mm-hmm. you know, as offensively, when you fail, you can see players take it out to their defense or mm-hmm. defensively how they fail. They can take it into their offense and the ability to separate the two is a skill. Mm-hmm. and you know being able to hustle your position and get ready for the ball and be engaged with your teammates is a skill being able to separate from the error and take a deep breath and walk slowly to the plate and have a quality of bat is a skill right. um right. you know and and that's not an easy thing to teach yet it's part of the process of being a champion is understanding these little fine things that are actually within your control but right. it has to be it, it's something some people have naturally and mm-hmm. some people have to be taught but i like to look for those Kind Of deeper level things, separate from who has the strongest arm and who can hit it, who can right. throw it, you know, all those things, mm-hmm. there's more to the sport than just the physical tools
0: for sure. And then finally, last question um, you know, when athletes do reach out to you, um, you know, wh- what do you want to see or hear from them? Uh, you know, do you want like a highlight reel? Do they want you know, do you want them to send a transcript? What's the best way to go about it?
1: Yeah, all of the above, you know, setting mm-hmm. a sending your transcripts on, on the discipline that you're showing in the classroom is always big and, and doesn't say it, it, it has to be perfect. So you may not see, you know, solid grades in, in that first year. In your sophomore years, where the NCAA GPA really starts to kick in. So we'd like to see improvement from mm. your freshman to your sophomore year, obviously right. into your junior year. to so continue to see improvement, not perfection from the start. Mm. Um, and that's always a good marker of, of work ethic. Um, being able to see a highlight reel of your best, you know, it doesn't have to be um, a long one, but it's just being able to see you at your best is always just a marker of athleticism and, and being able to see, you know, what your skills are. Um, and then with that, being able to also share, you know, some of the versatility, I'm great at this. And these are some of the other areas that I could also play. Once again, are for a coach like me, I'm, I'm looking for that. I'm looking for not just what you're great at, but what you're also willing to do to help your team be successful. Um, right. You know, and those are, so So those are just basic things that, that can be eye-catching. And you know, to be able to express and communicate how you believe you can make UCLA softball better, you know, whether it be, you know, we've had people get to UCLA in different paths, you know, we've had some great letters of people that really talk about their leadership and their ability to impact a a team, and and they may not be the best, but their ability to be the the best coming off the bench and being able to fill a spot, because I will work harder than anyone and be prepared for my moment, you know, little things like that, I catch coaches' eyes, Hmm. Um, you know. Of just wow, I can learn about that, I can feel this kid just through her message versus right. just you know the usual message of yes i'm I go to this school and I play and i'm this and I'm bad at this yeah th- those are things that everybody has, right. but what separates you from everybody else? What are the intangibles that make people say, man, i've got to con- see this kid play
2: right and so
1: so the, it's your it's your moment and, and no coach mm-hmm. has unfortunately time to read pages and pages and pages of every accolade, right. but to be able to to express it and that's mm-hmm. something that we teach them even in colleges for that you know three minute interview you want to be right. able to articulate who you are and what you know my name is so and so and a little bit about me and this is what I'm great at and this is what I'm working on and this is why you want me to be a part of your organization so right. we, we teach them the same thing in college of how that three minute interview of how you walk talk and act and how you articulate it is your mm-hmm. defining moment so
0: right. we got to prepare
1: for that so it's the same thing for the for those athletes the younger athletes um, do the same thing. It's your defining moment. How are you mm-hmm. going to prepare to, to be able to have what, you know, all the college coaches read, you know, what makes you unique and why we should come out and recruit you. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, that's, that's a challenge. Is right. What is your philosophy and how are you going to make a team better is um, to be able to articulate that in a, in a one pager with all your accolades is a challenge. And I think everybody should really
0: practice that. Right, for sure. Um, well, Coach, listen, I, I got you I got you out of here right on the wire. I really appreciate you <laughs> taking the time, um, and I really enjoyed Absolutely. the conversation. Thanks for coming on.
1: Absolutely. You take care. Good luck to everybody out there.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of Athlete for Life. If you like the podcast, please take a second to give it a positive review on iTunes. This helps more people find the podcast. And if you're a parent or player, check out sportsrecruits.com sports recruits puts you in control of the recruiting process you can build a free profile find the right schools and connect with any college coach in the country get started today for free at sportsrecruits.com until next time i'm your host joe uvoli see you again next week